I'm Jared Waitley. Here's a snapshot of Tuesday, November 28. Andrew McDonald told us how Simon and Garfunkel played a role in Australia's build-up to the World Cup final. Too many people have been telling too many stories, haven't they? <laughs> um, no, that got played at the team meeting. So a couple of days out, we just felt like um, as a coaching unit, a- along with Paddy um, and Mitch, that silence was going to be our friend um, because it was it was going to be intimidating. 100,000 people supporting one team and and the way they support us was quite fanatical. So we felt like the feedback for us is when we're going well is that the crowd will be silent. Um, and I think Steve Smith elaborates elaborate on that around the Coley dismissal. But, yeah, we, we threw that into the team meeting and our, our man Andre Borovic was able to piece some some moments of the demise of Indian batters and the crowd being silent and we played it at Simon and Garfunkel. I'm not sure how many people knew who Simon and Garfunkel were in our team meeting because it's probably a couple of generations <laughs> removed. So <laughs> I'm sure they would have asked the other boys some questions afterwards. And McDonald pondered the selection possibilities in the batting order for the test summer. Yeah, I think that's a con- definite conversation. Um, Mitch Marsh has taken his spot in that middle order. Uh, what does you know Cam Green's future look like in the test team? Is it a matter of waiting for, for Mitch um, to, to finish or is it could there be another spot that opens up over time and look he's batted six most of his test career but he's been a fantastic number four for, for WA and I think average is close to 50 in, in shield cricket so um, yeah I mean there's always the the idea that you can potentially shift the order to make room um, and put your best six batters or what you see as your best six batters in a certain order and we've seen that in Australian cricket before we've seen I think David Boone went from three to opening I think Justin Langer went from three to opening um, Shane Watson went from sixth to opening if I'm, I'm right so there has been um the ability to reshuffle and and for that to be successful but as i said we'll pick the best 11 for that first test match in perth sarah ollie paid tribute to aflw best and fairest monique conti well she polled 20 of 24 votes in the opening eight rounds so it's as convincing as a win as you're going to get i mean with two rounds to go she had the award sewn up and as you say the jewels sport athlete there is something really remarkable about that I mean at the weekend she was playing for the Melbourne Boomers and on Monday night she's accepting this award and she's only 23 Jared I mean really she's still a baby and putting together this incredible CV as you alluded to a premiership player best on ground for the dogs in 2018 an AFLPA MVP in season seven five times in all Australian and five times a best and fairest winner. In fact, she's the only Richmond player to win a best and fairest when it comes to the AFLW side of things. And I don't even think we've seen the best of Mon, which is incredible. And who knows if she'll continue to uh, go down the track of, of doing both sports. She was saying last night that she doesn't like to look too far ahead of herself. She said, I don't have a diary. I don't really make that many plans. But I'm having fun doing what I'm doing, playing both sports. And it's working for her, Jerry. You've got to say, it is working for her. Tom Barclay on how Ange Postacoglu is handling three straight losses at Spurs. Yeah, it's interesting that he actually says he quite enjoys enjoys this period now. Uh, he did an interview with the, the Daily Mail uh, last week, uh, obviously one of our biggest papers along with the sun my paper uh most widely read papers in 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 england and um he was saying i think to to chris sutton who is a is a former premier league winner but also a celtic hero obviously and obviously managed celtic as well so i presume knew him from before but he was saying that um 
yeah, he actually quite sort of perversely enjoys this period when people are starting to question him and, and the sort of pressure is on. And a few weeks ago, I think ahead of the Wolves game, he said there are two states for a manager. They're either one where the, the sort of um, the siege is coming or you're in it, the yeah. siege is upon you. Yeah. And I think I think he is, the siege is sort of upon him just because of, like I said, all the injuries. But I, honestly, I, I think because of the way he's 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 transformed this team, as I said already, I don't think there's going to be too many people from the outside um, putting pressure on him or, or, or worrying about his position in any way. The only thing that he sort of encountered recently, particularly after the Chelsea game, where they went down to nine men and he continued to play this attacking football, is some people have sort of called him naive for that. He's been criticised a little bit for, for trying to go that way and 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 because no one ever really does that. That's not, not what we've ever seen before. And it, to, to a certain extent, it does seem like a, a bit of a, a mad sort of approach. Yes. Um, so he's had, a, he's had a bit of that. But I think, again, I think he kind of enjoys it. And you know, from a journalist's point of view, it's just, it's just fascinating. You know, whatever it is, it's, all, it's never not interesting, which is, which is all I can ask for, really, personally. And Ben Graham with his NFL seedings with an eye toward Vegas. Number four, Baltimore Ravens. Are currently nine and three. Now Lamar Jackson, he's won the MVP before. He needed to slightly change the way he played, not be that running always quarterback, but he's been able to stand in the pocket. I think Zay Flowers been a great addition. There's always had a good defense, like Gus Edwards and Keaton Mitchell, Justice Hill at running back, without J.K. Dobbins, who went on IR early in the season with an Achilles injury. But I think they'll make the AFC Championship game. There'll be some pressure on them in the playoffs to win a big playoff game. More about Lamar Jackson's legacy than anything else, but Baltimore Ravens are my number four. At three? The San Francisco 49ers. Now, they're, again, an interesting case study, the 49ers. They are a team with a quarterback on a rookie deal, so they've had the luxury of investing elsewhere, and they've done that through free agency and trading a la Christian McCaffrey. they got Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. They signed Nick Bosa to a history-making defensive contract. I still have a few question marks over Brock Purdy. We know he got injured in the playoffs last year, and that was one of the reasons why they got bundled out late, but I have seen them being beaten three times in a row uh, in conspicuous circumstances. So still a couple of question marks over the 49ers for mine. They are eight and three, but they are my number three. Number two, Kansas City Chiefs. I'm a Patrick Mahomes fan. I will always be a Patrick Mahomes fan. I know they didn't score in the second half in the last three weeks. They broke that little hoodoo uh, on the weekend, but they've still got the best quarterback in football at the helm. Isaiah Pacheco, watch him run the football. Every time he gets it, he runs as hard as you'll see anyone run. Their wide receivers need to sort it out. They've got a season-high drop count at 28. Um, If they had have caught those drops, some critical ones at the end of games, they could be undefeated. And their defense is playing better than it ever has. I still think the Chiefs are right thereabouts, and they are my number two. Your number one seed. The 10-1 and one Philadelphia Eagles. We know they were building last year. They got all the way to the Super Bowl, and we're in a winning position too. 
It's always interesting to see what happens to the losing team in the Super Bowl, what happens the next year. Howie Roseman in the offseason has continued to build that roster through free agency and the draft. Jordan Mylata on the offensive line is critical to the way they play. And Jalen Hurts, he's such an understated leader. He's not a hoo-ha type of guy. You know that that locker room is connected. Their record shows that they're a good football team. They win in overtime against the Bills. They cement themselves, in my mind, as the number one team in football right now. And that's just a snapshot. The full program and all interviews are available through the Waitley podcast. Subscribe at sen.com.au.